Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. I'm Charlie Wright. We'd like to thank you for joining us today. We can promise you this will be quite interesting. We're very pleased to have with us for the very first time Alex Gostomelski, founder and a chief administrative officer to chief operations officer at Digital Asset Strategies, an asset management firm focused on cryptocurrencies. They're headquartered in Venice, California, and he's with us here in the studio. Alex, great to have you. Thanks Pleasure for to be here. Thank you. So, Alex, you are one brave man here. Uh, you uh, <laughs> finished UCLA MBA uh, several years ago, went into the investment banking uh, field. You have a background in technology. You've put together a quality team consisting of uh, technical analysis, uh, finance, former hedge fund managers, PhDs, and advanced tech stuff I can't even uh, uh, pronounce. So give us a short review of the team that you put together, will you, Alex? Sure. So like Charlie mentioned, Digital Asset Strategies is an asset management company focused in the crypto world. We have nine people on our team. Two people come from the tech startup world. One of those people is myself. Although, like Charlie mentioned, I started my career in investment banking. Then we have two people from the hedge fund management world and two PhDs that have crafted our strategies as well as some technical and qualitative partners that we've brought on to really bolster some of our research. You know, this is a far cry from uh, an interview we had several months ago. It was our first one on uh, cryptocurrency. And the, the uh, gentleman that we interviewed was a guy, uh, a very young guy, lived in Hawaii and uh, is now retired. So hero. Uh, then, he's a uh, hero among <laughs> legends. Yeah, he is. And uh, so uh, not, not exactly uh, hedge fund material, but he's retired and I'm not. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> That's how it goes. You, you guys, uh, it sounds like you have set it up right. So tell us about uh, digital asset strategies, uh, what you guys do and how you do it. Sure. So DAS is an investment advisor. We have two products that we're currently managing in the digital asset world. The first follows an ETF model called Smart Beta, which is kind of like a invest, uh, passive investment strategy, building a basket of assets and applying a risk-adjusted weighting model to solve for superior returns. And then the second model that we are also managing is more of an algorithmic type of model. Um, we're implementing machine learning and deep learning, different types of sentiment analysis, types of data models to do price prediction. And that's much more of an actively managed product. And from there, we will start adding on more quant-driven products. So really, the focus of DAS is to be data-driven, to be quant-driven, and not really make any decisions based on emotions or qualitative research, even though in crypto, and specifically, it's extremely, extremely tempting. I'm sure it is. And to take emotion out of cryptocurrencies uh, is probably next to an uh, impossible job. So Definitely. I've been to several conferences that were either focused on cryptocurrency or they were part of the conference sure. in uh, cryptocurrency. And uh, if you ask 12 people to provide an opinion on cryptocurrency, you're going to get about 15 opinions. 
And so what do you find to be the major misperceptions that people have about the cryptocurrency world, Alex? Sure. So before I get into that, it's probably a good time to state that the future things I say are my opinions, not the opinions of digital asset strategies. So that being said, you know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that people have is that it's always going to go up. That's the first one. Um, 2017 was a truly remarkable year where people became very, very wealthy. And, you know, it didn't really take any skill or knowledge or anything that's proprietary to get there. People are still riding that high. They think it's going to come back. Um, we've seen the first three months of 2018 really kind of level off in terms of the cryptocurrency market. So I think the first misconception is, you know, you see a technology that you like, or you see a team that you like, or you see a cryptocurrency that's appreciating, and you think that's enough of a signal to put your money into it. It's really becoming more of a sophisticated place for investment, which is great. And, um, you know, the thing that people have been clamoring for in the crypto space is more of an educated, sophisticated environment, and one in which people aren't getting scammed, people aren't losing their money, and um, something that can kind of self-regulate, which is really what the community around cryptocurrency and blockchain has done, which has been something remarkable to watch. And so from here, I think people that are interested in cryptocurrency, it's obviously kind of a hot button item everywhere you go. It's really learning more about what the technology does, what it means, and why it is why there's a necessity for that technology to have a cryptocurrency because we know that there's 1600 cryptocurrencies that you can trade right now and only a handful of them are truly legitimate and so that's where kind of expectations have been misplaced and are really evening out and people are starting to figure out uh you know where they want to be in this universe so alex do we know who is buying Bitcoin, Ethereum, the, these major cryptocurrencies. Do we know where they're located? Uh, those people? Yeah. Yeah, like my mom bought some. She's okay. in Washington, D.C. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, no, I mean, the, the fascinating thing about cryptocurrency is it's truly a global marketplace. 24-7, you know, different regions have their own exchanges. They have their own volume. They have their own pipeline of cryptocurrency and all sites. All sorts of different people from, you know, 12-year-olds to 100-year-olds to hedge funds to private wealth managers to, you know, corporations, institutions to, you know, kind of like angel groups to like ICO groups. There's so many different types of investors in the space, and that's what's been really fun. So where do the most of the investors come from? Do they come from the United States? Do they come from Asia? Uh, so last time I checked, and this was late 2017, so this data might be not accurate at this point, but the U.S. was actually lacking behind Asia and Europe in terms of crypto investment, um, and like from a volume standpoint, from market cap standpoint. So, you know, the last stat we heard was there's 260 new hedge funds in the space, uh, and a lot of them are from the U.S. So, you know... I think we're probably getting pretty close to even in terms of like continent-wise where investment's coming from. Okay. Well, what do you see as the key elements that an investor should look at 
before investing in cryptocurrencies? Sure. So the great thing about investments in the space is that people are starting to realize that you are your own venture capitalist. So you need to be doing the analysis from the point of a sophisticated, whether it's an angel investor, a venture capitalist, or even a private equity investor, you have to be looking really inside and out on a particular cryptocurrency and the startup to get a good analysis. And then cryptocurrency adds a whole nother layer of complexity beyond your typical um, factors like team, product market fit, timing, size, capital, you know, all the different things that you would look at in a, for uh, just a regular tech startup. But cryptocurrency adds a whole nother layer of complexity. And the questions that I always ask first are, does this technology need its own cryptocurrency? Is the Priceline.com on the blockchain, does that necess, does that, is it necessary for that type of product to have a cryptocurrency? I'm not sure if it does. And if you have conviction that it does and you can prove that there's consumers that will use that cryptocurrency, then it's a great type of tool. That being said, I'm not sure that Priceline is tokenizing. I'm just using that as an example sure, that, sure. you know, does a travel website need, need its own token? That's really like my first line of questioning. And then you can get even deeper crypto specific questions like token economics. If they did an ICO, you know, how, what percentage of the tokens did the founders keep for themselves? Which, what percentage is allocated towards the technology or towards an open pool? And how do those tokens get released to the public? Those are all really important questions because those, you are now aligning the incentives of the founding team with the incentives of the investors and future stakeholders in that product. And then kind of like my last line of questioning that's crypto specific goes back to the utility. So as a consumer, you know, or looking at the consumer base, are there enough people that know about cryptocurrencies that are going to buy this token that know where to find it, know where to store it, know how to transact it? to make this company sustainable. And so, you know, using a cryptocurrency as the basis for your startup is really, really complicated. In 2017, it was a great way to make, uh, to generate capital. I mean, the ICO market is the most disruptive thing we've seen in capital generation, capital raising ever. I mean, there's nothing even close to it. And now, you know, you're seeing a lot of companies struggle because they have, you know, almost infinite capital in some, in some cases, but they don't have a place in the market because their product wasn't thoughtfully crafted and wasn't thoughtfully positioned. So you really have to be sophisticated in your thought process and start thinking as if, you know, you're investing in the equity of a company rather than in a liquid asset like cryptocurrency. So Alex, let's talk for a minute about blockchain. Blockchain and, and Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, as we know, they're, they're really separate entities. And it's very possible that uh, a blockchain will be used by a, a, an application throughout industries in the world. In fact, I'm sure it's being used today. So people often lump the two together, but they're not necessarily lumped together. So how do you see blockchain? Do you see that as a separate endeavor going off on its own legs or do you see it always being tied to cryptocurrencies? Tell us about blockchain. So the answer is yes to both, <laughs> in my opinion. So 
blockchain is the underlying technology that I'm the most excited about and what brought me to the space. Uh, I see it as being a true disruptor to various software, various data management tools, um, and across a lot of different verticals. So, you know, people are always talking about Bitcoin and Bitcoin's kind of the front leader news-wise. And, you know, one of the biggest criticisms is that there isn't a use case for Bitcoin. Um, people call it either a commodity or comparing it to gold. Um, people kind of defend it by calling it a store of value. But the underlying technology that it was built on, which, you know, kind of became what blockchain is today, is being used in a lot of very interesting ways. So my favorite and the best use case, and this has been the best use case for six months now, is an enterprise. A lot of large corporations that we've all heard of, SAP, IBM, Accenture, uh, list goes on, they're implementing blockchain as a data management uh, utility. You know, if you think about what that means and kind of like what I was talking about when you're doing the analysis of a cryptocurrency, does the cryptocurrency need to touch the end consumer? In an enterprise, when they implement blockchain, it doesn't. They implement it on the back end for data management. They make their organization leaner, more cost-effective, uh, more secure, and that never needs to touch the end consumer, and their business benefits greatly from it. When you start lumping crypto and blockchain together, you start wondering, okay, what are the tokens or what are the different types of actual like currency methods that make sense? So right now, some of my favorite use cases are in esports. You know, from an analysis perspective, you're looking at a demographic that has been transacting digitally for quite some time, and they happen to be, you know, very crypto savvy. So that consumer segment makes a lot of sense for a cryptocurrency, blockchain, et cetera, type of company. Um, and then other types of use cases are, again, more like data management that make a lot of sense. Health records, patents, music rights, things like that. Um, and so I think in the coming years, not months, even though, you know, this industry moves more like daily than weekly or monthly or yearly, but the one, one point, one thing to point out is that investment in the space and investment in cryptocurrencies has outpaced the technology by several years. And so we are going to start seeing how the actual application within blockchain makes sense before we see how applications with actual cryptocurrencies make sense. So, you know, if you put health records on the blockchain, again, do you need a cryptocurrency around that? The answer might be yes, it might be no. So it's always going to be interwoven and there's always going to be smart utilities for cryptocurrency. But I think there's going to be a lot more applications and use cases for blockchain that don't actually require a liquid currency around it. You know, Alex, I remember uh, a few months ago there was a company, and I don't recall uh, who they were, but they changed their name and they put blockchain. Yeah, in the, the name. Long Island Iced Tea Company. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> and their stock price increased. Yeah. What was it, like 300% or something? Even uh, more. Right. <laughs> Smart people. Hey, <laughs> do what works. So, but, but it, it, to clarify here, blockchain is not a product, it's a process. And so no one can really invest directly into a blockchain patent or anything like that. Is that correct? Yeah, in a sense. I mean, blockchain is a technology. Most of 
the projects that we know about are open source. So like if you wanted to create your own Bitcoin, you could actually go and copy it and do it. Um, and we've seen some technologies spawn right off of Bitcoin open source uh, code. So you can invest directly in blockchain companies that, you know, there's software companies that are implementing blockchain. You know, there's that old analogy of the gold rush where the people that made the most money were selling the picks and the axes. Right, right. And so in this space, it's no different. You know, there's many service providers, especially in the asset management world, that don't actually need to, you know, create their own cryptocurrency. They're servicing cryptocurrency companies. Um, and there's going to be a lot of investment in those type of companies. And we're already seeing M&A um, develop in those in that area and uh, a lot of investment from Silicon Valley and a lot of the big VCs going into that area as well. So, Alex, uh, let's get back for just a minute here to DAS. Sure. Uh, you mentioned uh, earlier that uh, there are uh, dozens of hedge funds that have come into this space very recently. I've heard that repeatedly at various conferences and thing, places. So uh, what are, is DIS seeking to do differently uh, to bring something to the marketplace that others are not? Sure. So we have, like I mentioned with our team, a really interesting split in that a lot of us come from kind of the old school investments world. And then a lot of us come from the new school tech world. And we're really trying to bridge that gap. A lot of the other investment advisors in the space are kind of investing on emotion. They're not doing it in an institutional quality way. And one of the principal priorities of DAS is to be an institutional quality type of product. And, you know, whatever that means in the crypto space at any given point in time. But what we're really trying to differentiate ourselves is to take very educated, research-backed, quant-driven strategies and bring them into the cryptocurrency world. Whereas, you know, there's a lot of different types of investing that's happening in the space, whether it's in ICOs or more venture-like style managers or managers that are simply kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of spreading a really big blanket and kind of trying to get into a lot of different stuff. Um, DS is extremely targeted. We know exactly the type of people we want to attract and look out for. And those are kind of how uh, our strategies really stack up and are crafted from the ground up. Okay. So define ICO for our listeners who may not uh, be familiar with that term. Sure. So ICO is an initial coin offering. You can actually do an initial coin offering on just about anything. Um, if you wanted to sell fans and make the fan token, or if you wanted to sell, you know, the OC talk radio token, we could ICO it in about two weeks. You got that, um, Paul? Okay. <laughs> uh, so the ICO was a tool that a lot of startups used last year and are still using this year to raise capital. Uh, it's a pretty complicated process. It does take a lot of legal work to do it uh, the right way. And right now we're seeing a lot less ICOs and a lot more kind of, well, we're seeing less ICOs because people are starting to look for production quality products. So last year, you know, there are several examples where companies raised hundreds of millions of dollars without writing a single line of code because there was so much excitement in the community around different types of ideas or products or teams 
And what we're seeing a lot more of now is developed products, figuring out why a token is necessary or makes sense. Um, or we're seeing companies are launching their own tokens strictly as a security uh, because there are a lot of regulation concerns coming out. And then some other terms you might hear are token generation events. So people trying to like TGEs, huh? TGEs trying to stay away from the ICO and all like the bad press around that. But, uh, you know, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you know, uh, again, uh, congratulations for being a very brave man here, Alex, and, uh, and, and forging your way into a very unknown area. It's kind of like being uh, in the internet. Uh, in the uh, early 90s. Yeah, we're in the new internet now. We're in the new internet. In fact, <laughs> I, uh, what, what helped me understand it, I've heard uh, more than once uh, the people say that the current internet is the internet of information. And what blockchain is doing is the internet of value. I like that. And, I'm uh, buying it. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you, you can use that uh, a lot. So you're going to be speaking in the near future, uh, several different places. Kind of tell us uh, what your itinerary is going to yeah, be. Yeah, sure. So on this coming Tuesday, so that's March 28th, I think, uh, Blockchain West in San Francisco. On April 24th, I'll be in the Cayman Islands at the GAIM Operations and Compliance Conference. A uh, few other events. We don't feel up. sorry for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then there's a couple other conferences in uh, New York or London. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Don Gosto, D O N G O S T O, and I can fill you in on the latest schedule. Okay. So, Alex, question we'd like to ask all of our guests what keeps you awake at night? Oh, man. Um, well, like I said, it's a 24 hour. 24 hours, seven days a week market. So more than uh, typical investment managers. Uh, you know, it, it, the uh, market moves so fast in the crypto world, it's kind of better just to keep it, you know, have a good dissonance about it. So the things that really keep me up at night are more uh, technology driven. You know, I'm a startup guy. I want to see the companies that promised, uh, kind of the product to launch product to have a market to materialize in that way um, because a lot of the investments that we're all making in the space are really driven by those teams and you know so many investments have been speculative to this point so a lot of those teams need to deliver and that's kind of where I'm most unsure and so you know part of the thing I do at conferences is always go and chat with founders and make sure that you know they got their marching orders and <laughs> and they're doing what they need to do to uh, make us all look good. Well, good, good. So quite second question that we'd like to ask all of our guests, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? Uh, so the book that I like the most cryptocurrency related is called crypto assets. And then there's some sort of tagline. It's by uh, Chris Bernaski. You can look it up on Amazon. I'm sure it'll be one of the first books that come up. Um, but there's a lot of really good podcasts out there as well. Uh, Unchained is a great podcast. Uh, it's weekly, really good information about the space. Um, and yeah, there's a pr proliferation of uh, info at this point. So, you know, yeah, find what works for you and, and uh, make sure to commit to it. So for those who'd like to know more, Alex, where can they go? Sure. Uh, they can go to dis.fund, which is our website. And uh, if they want to contact me on LinkedIn, I'm pretty responsive. So that works too.
Okay, so finally, word, final words for our listeners here. Final words, do your research, be diversified, and have fun. Great advice. Alex, thank you very much for thank taking you. the time to come into the studio from Venice. We appreciate you being here and offer our best wishes for your and DAS's uh, continued uh, good experiences and success. Here. Right back at you. Thank you. Again, we've been talking with Alex Gostomelski, founder and chief operations officer at Digital Asset Strategies out of Venice, California. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. This is Charlie Wright wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing.